This episode is made possible with the help of our friends at Deep Betty Vodka. All right, everyone. There are many things I love about this vodka, as you may know from hearing me talk about it, being that it's distilled 10 times, which makes it super smooth, but also happens to be a gluten-free vodka. You'll also get another reason why you're going to want to use this vodka in this incredible cocktail coming up this episode. And this vodka is authentic American vodka made in Austin, Texas. Shout out to Austin. Here's what I also love about Deep Betty Vodka. They work with quite a few different charitable organizations in their community to support bartenders as well as musicians and music industry professionals in and around the Austin area. To learn more about Deep Betty, go to deepbettyvodka.com and follow them on social media at Deep Betty Vodka. Deep Betty, we thank you. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. Beyond the Drink is a short segment where some of the best mixology minds in the industry describe a cocktail that is meaningful to them. In this episode, we're talking with Ben Potts and Guy Yaroshi from Unfiltered Hospitality in Miami. This week, we have a cocktail coming from Ben and then next week, we're going to get a cocktail from Guy, but they're both going to be on each episode. Here's the thing. I used to live in Miami, so I have a lot of friends down there and when I asked around some of the best mixology minds in South Florida, this was like unanimous. Multiple people told me to get in touch with these guys. So thank you to Ben and Guy for agreeing to do this. Ben is a co-owner and creative director of the award-winning bars, The Sylvester and Beaker and Gray in Miami. He's been selected twice as one of the top 10 bartenders in Miami by the Miami New Times, and he's a four-time winner of the Art of Tiki Cocktail Competition at the South Beach Wine Food Festival. Shout out to Ben. Today, Ben's going to walk us through a vodka-based cocktail called the Judge Judy. What is this called, the Judge Judy? We're going to hear that story in this episode. He gives tons of great tips and lessons. This is a really chock-full of education episode, if you will. I promise you will all come out of this with multiple, multiple lessons for mixing cocktails at home. So please enjoy this episode as we go beyond the drink with Ben Potts. Hey everyone, my name is Ben Potts. I'm one of the partners at Unfiltered Hospitality. Uh, I'm joined here with my co-founder, Guy Yarashi. Hello. Hey. And I'm going to be talking about a cocktail called Judge Judy, made with vodka. And then next week, you're going to get a cocktail from Guy. So let's let's talk about the Judge Judy, right? Cappy, you wanted to know why? Yeah, give me the story. I want, I want the story behind the Judge Judy, some inspiration behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so this was back in 2015. Uh, I was working at the Broken Shaker at the time. I was actually uh, Guy's bartender. Uh, he was the bar manager there. Uh, Broken Shaker, if, for those of you who don't know, it is a national treasure at this point. Uh, first location was in Miami Beach where I worked. Uh, beautiful outdoor vibe, great music, great atmosphere, just a really cool place to hang out. And then they now have since uh, expanded to LA, Chicago, New York, and who knows where they'll go next. But we were working there and Guy came up, well, he asked me because we all collaborated on the menu. And he's like, Ben, buddy, uh, you got to do the vodka cocktail uh, this month. What are you going to do? So, you know, I, and you know, as any uh, fancy pants mixologist, I was like, oh, vodka, what am I going to do with vodka? And I was, you know, after giving it a little thought, I was like, well, you know, vodka is actually a, a really nice base spirit to work with because you can pretty much do anything. 
And, you know, like any native Miamian, I was like, well, you know, January cocktail menu, I'm going to do something refreshing. Florida, that's pretty much what you do, just refreshing year round. You know, I wanted to, I, I'd been constantly making this cocktail over and over again for guests, uh, or at least some something similar to it. And someone would be like, oh man, I want something like refreshing and herbal. And then I was like, ah, oh, got it. And I was like, white spirit, cucumber juice, some sort of herb spirit, and you know, whatever over pebble ice. And so, you know, I was like, let's, let's, let's go into that. Let's do something a little bit more involved. And so I came up with the judge Judy. And so judge Judy, one and a half ounces of vodka, half an ounce of Dolan Genepi. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, three quarter ounce, uh, cucumber juice, half an ounce of tarragon syrup. And I'll talk about how I made the tarragon syrup in a minute too. And then three quarter ounce of lemon juice. You, uh, whip it all together. You strain it into a Collins glass, put some pebble ice on top, and then top it with a spirulina tincture. Now, why did we call it Judge Judy? Gee, why did we call it Judge Judy? <laughs> that's a very good question, Ben, and I'll tell you why. And that's, that answer is for no particular reason. I, I'm a big fan of, I, okay, like the drink either needs to kind of speak to someone with a concept. So like sometimes a name really brings together a lot of the ingredients when you have such a kind of interesting collection of ingredients, I want something to kind of like connect with people just from like a name or an idea. So also we, what we didn't mention is back in those days, we changed the entire shaker menu every three weeks. So I had to come up with a lot of cocktail names. Uh, and so sometimes you'd just be watching daytime TV and say, Oh, that's a good one. Judge Judy. Uh, we also named a cocktail some years later, Rusty Burrell after Judge Wapner's bailiff. So there's no real rhyme or reason to some of them. When you have a random cocktail, you give it a random name. Okay, continue. Are you a fan of court shows or what's the... I was as a kid, I, you know, especially ones like Judge Judy, you know, like people's court didn't really do it for me, but Judge Judy was great. Got it. Got it. <laughs> so uh, great. Thank you, Gee. Six years later, I finally have some closure as to why we couldn't call it Swamp Monster. So the first ingredient that I mentioned uh, after the vodka, which you know really ties everything together, is the uh, Dolan Genepi. And Dolan Genepi is an alpine liqueur made in the French Alps, uh, over 30 different herbs and roots. It has this nice, just sort of bright, herbaceous flavor. And I decided to use that uh, liqueur. One, it's similar. It's very similar to chartreuse if you've ever had that before. But one, it's slightly more cost-effective. And two, uh, it, it's a little lighter-bodied. You know, chartreuse can be... Pretty, pretty heavy on the tongue. This going for the refreshing cocktail. Wanted something that was going to yeah, be nice and light and easy. And I also wanted to highlight the herbaceousness from the tarragon syrup. Uh, syrups are something we made a lot of at the Broken Shaker. We decided to make them because they were really great to use in menu cocktails, but they were also good for the bartender's choices, which we had tons of. And the tarragon syrup that we made, there's two types really that you can go with. You can make kind of a tea syrup where you kind of let it just sort of steep and boiling simple syrup or simmering simple syrup for a little while. But that ends up giving you this kind of brownish, not so attractive color. I wanted something very vibrant and green, you know, because I originally wanted to call it you know, the green monster or swamp thing or pond scum or something like that. <laughs> something really attractive for people to order in the vodka cocktail. It's a, you know, the swamp monster could have done really well, but um, we'll never know. Uh, so the, the tarragon syrup that we made, uh, we, so you start off, you get a ton of tarragon. I think we were, we were mixing two quarts of tarragon to roughly eight quarts of simple syrup. And the, the way you kept it from browning uh, and oxidizing is you would have to blanch it. So you'd get a pot of boiling water and you shove all the tarragon into the boiling water 
and then immediately plunge it into a cold bath, like an ice bath. Uh, and that would keep it from, from turning. And so then we'd throw that in the blender with some simple syrup and we'd blend it all up. And then we'd try to strain out some of like the thicker pieces of plant matter. And it gave us a really nice, uh, really nice, very, very tarragon flavored syrup. And you know, that, that was kind of the base flavor profile. And then some of the things that accented that were the cucumber juice, which has a nice way of lengthening a cocktail. Uh, I think it, you know, does give it that vegetal quality. Uh, you could use something like soda to do achieve something similar, but I didn't necessarily want the effervescence. And lemon juice. And the reason why I ended up using lemon juice versus lime juice, because, you know, when you have to add a citrus, you kind of go back and forth. Lime has quite a bit of bite to it. And I didn't want to take away from the herbal, herbal notes uh, in the cocktail. And so I went with lemon juice because it's a little bit of a softer citrus, a little bit sweeter. So, you know, that, that altogether really composed the base of the cocktail. And because I like to do things uh, a little off the wall and get a broken shaker, we were really pushing the envelope as far as innovation and ingredients. I thought, well, let's just dash some spirulina on top and see see how that goes. Uh, and then the spirulina tincture was literally spirulina, which is this blue algae that you know, a lot of you probably take as a supplement in the morning. It's uh, really delicious. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, you know, on its own, it, it can be a, a bit of a pill to swallow. But I think with this cocktail, I kind of wanted to bring in that earthy earthy flavor. And so when we dashed it on top, it gave this really cool sort of like blue green cascading effect from the top to the bottom. And uh, it was you know, really, really nice. Uh, and once you mixed it in there, you actually kind of got that pond scum flavor that I was really going for. You're really going for the pond scum title. You know, I was on a big health kick back then and I'm still, I still am. You know, I, I take, I probably take uh, like 14 pills every morning. And, and then on top of that, I take like powdered supplements that have spirulina in them. So I really wanted to, the rest of the world to know what I was going through on a daily basis. But it's actually quite nice uh, once you get used to it. <laughs> but yeah, and then, you know, spirulina on top. Uh, tincture is made with, um, you know, uh, spirit, usually vodka. In this case, it was vodka also. Vodka, spirulina, and mix it together, and then uh, strained out some of the thicker chunks, and it really uh, made a nice float. Put a little dehydrated lemon wheel and a marigold, and it was a it was a real seller, right, Keith? Medium seller, yeah. It was a great seller. <laughs> it's a medium medium tier seller for sure. I'm pretty sure it was number one for that entire menu, but this sounds amazing as 100% of the drinks that I've had at Broken Shaker in the past. So, a couple questions. Lemon juice goes without saying. I feel like I say this anytime any person behind the bar uses citrus. Fresh lemon juice, 100% of the time. Yes? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cucumber juice. Are we literally. Are you literally just juicing cucumbers or is there another method you use for this? Yeah, I, I mean, the, you can uh, blend it and then try to strain out the, the cucumber water. Uh, I don't recommend that. Uh, it's pretty messy. And uh, just a regular juicer that you can get, you know, you could buy two, two $300, you can get one online or whatever. And then any, any department store or any store that sells appliances. Um, but I do recommend when doing cucumber juice, uh, the skin can be kind of bitter, so it's always a good idea to peel it to some degree. Maybe not all of it, but I usually like to do sort of a half peel, so like every other strip uh, will be the, the skin of the cucumber. Uh, it can be a little waxy, uh, which, you know, that, that has its own effect on the juice. But generally speaking, about half peeled is, 
usually and, and use uh, use English cucumbers instead of the seedless kind because the seed, the seedless just don't have that same juiciness, that same water content. That's makes them great in sushi, but not so good in cocktails. Yeah, interesting. Tarragon syrup. So you gave us, you know, the the quart or so to. You gave us a big batch, if you will. Yeah. If someone's making this at home, could we say approximately like one bunch of tarragon to like a cup or two of simple syrup type thing? Yeah, something like that. I mean, it's really, it's not so sensitive. It, it's kind of like the, it's really about how much intensity you want of tarragon. I mean, you get to a point where you're just kind of overdoing it. It just seems ridiculous. But I would say a handful of tarragon uh, to a quart of simple is good. And then very importantly, and I, I, I love stressing the importance of making the simple syrup properly, or at least consistently. A lot of people generally do one-to-one uh, simple syrup, uh, sugar and water. Yes. And that is how you do it. But I strongly recommend if you have a food scale at home or anything that can do to the 10th of a gram, or even, even a gram is fine, equal parts by weight. That's going to get you a much more consistent product than trying to do it by volume. Great tip. So Ben and I are sort of, you know, we're fire and ice. We're, we're two very different styles. So Ben is the more sort of like the nerdy approach, the, the mathematical side. I'm more of the, you know, the art and science type. But, and so I've always kind of like given him a little crap about, and I go, come on, dude, do you have to say that on the podcast right now? But and working with them more and actually do, because I've always, you know, when we when we do consulting, when I've done it, even for Shaker and, and other large operations, I'm kind of like, I know everybody in a restaurant setting has the court, that Deli Pro court container and the half Deli Pro. So those are like my mixologist measuring cups. It's either a quart or a half quart, or if, if we're getting something really sensitive, then maybe we'll get to scale up. But for the most part, I'm a volume and like make sure that they get the point because I have always been afraid that, especially when you try and pass that on to you know, my wife, for example, is like, is a, she got a background in baking. So like everything, if you don't have like an exact measurement, it's kind of like, ah, I either I'm not making this recipe or I just, she loses all rational sense uh, if she doesn't have that recipe. So I just want to make sure they have something to say, like, I've got a quart container and got a half quart. So I kind of know where I'm starting, where I'm going. But Ben is very right. I'm coming around to a lot of things. We didn't even mention the refractometer, which was, uh, whew, it was here, here, heresy to me uh, before this, and now I'm all on board, so. Talk to me about the refractometer. Oh man, my pleasure. This is my uh, my favorite tool to use in any aspect of bartending. And I, if I had more of a culinary background, I'd probably use it in that too. But a refractometer or refractometer, depending on how you like to say it, it measures the bricks uh, of, of a solution, right? And the bricks is the amount of sugar in it. And I have a digital one or I should say our company has a digital one and every bar that we consult on also will end up having a digital refractometer or refractometer. Uh, It measures up to 80 bricks. It's super accurate. You really can't mess it up. I don't leave home without one. And they're they're incredible tools and they really take the guesswork out of syrups. Like you can do this 50-50 by weight, simple syrup, and it will hit 50 bricks pretty much every time. But... If you have a new bar back or a prep guy who you don't know, and maybe they've only been there for like 10 days and you try to get them into the kitchen and you want to make sure that simple syrup or whatever syrup you're making comes out properly, refractometer, refractometer. Right. And the same with like making honey syrups and agave syrups and all these things that were, again, I, I would just say, you know, three quarts to one quart. That's your measurement for honey syrup. I'm finding that they're wildly different. And the real, the bonus for me is just that like, say you're doing a, a bee's knees cocktail. And I think uh, maybe Tony even mentioned one of those when he was on, but like it's gin, lemon and honey 
say a guest is allergic to whatever honey or whatever was used to make that honey for, to be able to just switch out the honey for lavender syrup or something like that and know that you're going to get the exact same results because you have the same bricks in house. is such a great thing. And just have your bartenders being able to kind of reach for things and not have take some of the guesswork out of it is a really nice feature. I gotta say. Really fascinating. And so is it measuring, I'm going to say sweetness, but like sugar level or what, what's the, what are, I, I feel yeah. like I've looked into bricks before, but what's the terminology for the home book, if you will? So, so bricks is the unit of measure. Uh, it's measured in degrees, and uh, it's called a refractometer, refractometer, because it refracts light. So, the way it works is, if you shoot light through water, it goes straight through. When you shoot light through fifty bricks sugar, it goes like this. And the tool or the, the instrument measures the bending of the light. And that's how it knows the refraction of, an, of a solution. How much dissolved sugar is in that solution? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool, so right? Interesting. That's so interesting. Amazing. Uh, spirulina tincture. Are you getting spirulina and uh, are you using a powdered form of it? And you're mixing that with vodka? Exactly. So you, you let that like sit or steep or at all, or are you just kind of like mixing it and then straining it type thing? So, you know, spirulina is all, one spirulina is already powdered. So maximum surface area to interact with the, the spirit. And then two spirits really suck flavor out of things really quickly. So it's almost instantaneous with a powder like that. It's also going to dissolve to some degree in, in the spirit. So by the time you're straining it out, it's pretty much already the way it's going to be. You're just really just getting out the undissolved chunks. Um, and then you're putting in a dasher bottle and just dashing away and really wowing your guests. And for the at-home mixologist, explain, give us the 101 on like, what what is a tincture? So uh, a tincture most basically is just any material steeped in a spirit, right? And it, like generally... Tinctures are singular, right? So you could make a cinnamon tincture by taking high-proof spirit like vodka or high-proof rum. Actually, I mean, you don't even have to do high-proof. You could just get a bottle of vodka, you know, 40% alcohol, throw some cinnamon sticks in it, and then taste it every, you know, day or so. And you're going to get, you know, it's eventually going to start extracting the flavor. Cinnamon, obviously, I'm referring to whole cinnamon, not powdered cinnamon. Uh, you'll get a better extraction that way, or it won't be, it'll be slower. And think about when you're cooking something, the slower the cook, the more flavor you're going to pull out of it, the more delicate, nuanced things are going to come from it. So if you just throw in some cinnamon powder into vodka, it's not going to be great. If you extract it slowly, you could take, you know, whatever. You could take a cup of vodka and you can throw in a handful of cinnamon sticks and just ch like shake it up every day or so and taste it and you'll have a tincture. And then bitters are basically a combination of tinctures and then sweetened. And that's pretty much bitters. Would you say a tincture is kind of like an extract? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow, this episode is going to be long and amazing. I can't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> so shaking in a shaker into a Collins glass. Talk to me about uh, pebble ice. And I see you're topping it with pebble ice rather than putting pebble ice in the glass and pouring the drink over it type thing. Explain method, the madness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I it, this is more of a, I would call this a sort of a, 
my own taste of, of producing drinks. I like to, sometimes I like to pour over ice. Sometimes I like to pour the drink into the glass and then ice on top of it with pebble ice. One, sometimes you fill up a glass with pebble ice, and then you pour your cocktail over it and you're, you have more too much liquid, right? And then obviously you need to adjust the recipe to fit the glass, whatever, but it's easier to pour the, you know, cocktail into the glass, then pebble ice on top of it. So you're definitely not overfilling the glass. You know, pebble ice is great because it's, you know, it makes things really cold. It adds a bit of dilution to it. And this cocktail, I believe we whipped. Uh, Whipping is shaking it in a cocktail shaker with like one or two pieces of pebble ice. And then that's going to give it that aeration that you're looking for in a shaken cocktail. But you're not necessarily going to over dilute it because if if we shook it in the cocktail shaker with ice, diluted it, chilled it, strained it, poured more pebble ice on top of it to dilute and chill even more, it might get a little watered down. And keep in mind, Miami, uh, we are experiencing a frigid cold front right now. And I think it's about 58 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm so sorry, Ben. Yeah, I know. I was outside and it, oof, I lit your chat. Awesome. I feel like every time you explain something, there's something else I want to have you explain. And I mean that in a awesome way. Excellent. Judge Judy, thank you for that, Ben. I want to switch gears for a second here. And as I think you know, most of our guests on Beyond the Plate, which is our companion podcast to Beyond the Drink here, um, give back in different ways. Um, You all mixologists are no exception um, in the hospitality industry. It's just about giving, giving, giving. So we do want to give you a moment to shed some light on an organization or a fund that you may want to raise awareness for. Has there been an organization that's kind of moved you recently that you want to share? Yeah. I mean, it's something that I've, I've always worked with for probably the last five years. I, I think I do their work with them just about every year. And they come down to Miami and they're a national organization called No Kid Hungry. They're fantastic. I mean, I know that their, their whole purpose is to really just make sure children have something to eat. They want to end child hunger in America. And I think that's, that's, that's wonderful. You know, I, I think that's such a basic need and you know, what, uh, what better platform than the food and beverage industry to work with. And I've just had such a wonderful experience working with them. Their teams are amazing. The productions that they put together are awesome. And I know they raise a ton of money. So, you know, I, I'd love to give them a shout out because they're, they're great. Awesome. And you did not know this, but I'm telling you now on behalf of the leadership council of No Kid Hungry. Whoa. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. And for anyone listening, they are a great organization. If you've listened to any of the Beyond the Plate episodes, you've probably heard um, a ton of chefs talking about them. So whether it's you know donating a dollar or five dollars or lending your voice via social media or time, um, all that is helpful to an organization like No Kid Hungry. So thank you, Ben, for raising awareness for that. And let's do a quick speed round before we close it out here. Name the cocktail that inspired you to get behind the bar. Oof. The cocktail. Oh, that's that's actually pretty easy. Uh, it's got to be the the old fashioned. I was huge, huge fan. Uh, one of the first cocktails I was completely mystified by because I didn't one didn't know how to make simple syrup, uh, which is instrumental. And uh, you know, and then I find, I was like, oh my god, if you just mix spirit and simple syrup and bitters, it makes this amazing cocktail. And once I learned how to make one, I pretty much never stopped. So name a smell behind the bar you love. <laughs> Oof, uh, I would say, oh well, well, you know, there's an I have uh, my nice smell and my not so nice smell. I would say my nice smell is the smell of kind of uh, burning rosemary, which I think is pleasant. The smell you hate, and the smell. Oh no, well, the not nice smell that I love. 
uh, is the smell of uh, bleach from a dish machine. <laughs> Not nice smell that you love. Interesting. Yeah, I love it. I don't know. It means, it means cleanliness. Uh, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Good point. How about a smell behind the bar you hate? Like the sewage coming up from the sinks that have not been cleaned out in a long time? That I cannot stand. That wouldn't be in one of your bars, then. No, 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 not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Closing it out here, give us one cocktail that every home mixologist should have in their repertoire. Uh, I have to say that it has to be the daiquiri. Uh, If you don't know how to make a daiquiri, please educate yourself. It's 2-1-1, rum, lime juice, simple syrup. Uh, And if you use those that ratio, that formula as your base for every cocktail you make after that, you're going to be just fine. Ben, Gee, thank you. We're looking forward to your drink next week, Gee. But Ben, thank you for your time. This was a load of um, amazing information. And um, I look forward to one day, hopefully soon, getting back down to Miami. Awesome. Thanks so much, Caddy. Thank you. Find more on Ben and Gee and Unfiltered Hospitality at unfilteredhospo.com. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen and Joel Yetton. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplaypodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on all the socials at BT Plate Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy.